Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. You know, I love our theme song. <laughs> Becky and I are sitting here dancing to it. It's like, how many times do we hear this? And we're still Bopping jamming out. out. <laughs> so my name is Becky Olson. I'm a three-time, 21-year survivor of advanced stage breast cancer. I'm also a professional speaker and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. And Sharon, who's the other co-host, is she's still on vacation. We kind of took turns going to Europe. And so we have our favorite co-host today, Yvonne Neidegger, and Yvonne is our patient outreach coordinator at Breast Friends. She's an awesome lady, and she's one of these kind of people, you hand her a microphone, wind her up, and let her go. Oh, my, my mama always, to, always used to tell everyone, I'll just put a quarter in her, and she, she just takes off, and, and I'm thrilled to be here, and you know, no one can truly fill in for our fearless other leader, Sharon, but I, I'm always very honored to be asked to come and, and attempt to fill her beautiful shoes, and you know, I too am a survivor. I'm I'm getting close to celebrating my seven-year survivorship from Woo-hoo. stage three breast cancer, and um, I'm also a, a heart survivor in a way. I managed to be an overachiever in my life. I always <laughs> tell people that I couldn't just have uh, have one big thing; I had to have two. So I um, just recently went through what they call an ablation, where they go in and they they kind of tried to fix my heart. So hopefully, yeah. between one end of my body, I'm I'm uh, that zone up there around the breast area and the heart area I'm hoping is all good now for a while so and your heart's always been good <laughs> maybe in a different way but it's always been good well I'm thrilled to be here and I'm going to enjoy this segment with yeah. all of you yeah it's going to be great but before we get started you know I really wanted to talk to you about something important how many of you find yourselves wishing there was more to life you know I think we all kind of wake up sometimes and think oh just I just wish there was more, you know, and I have to say, and I know she's a little controversial, but we love her, uh, a phrase (laughs) that Dr. Laura, I can't even say her name, so we'll just stick with Dr. Dr. Laura, Laura. (laughs) says, what do you want your life to look like between now and dead? And, you know, I... (laughs) I, I really, truly love that phrase, and every time I hear her say it on her radio show, which is on satellite radio on Sirius, um, many of you know many of us find ourselves in a place where we want to accomplish so much more, but we feel mm. held back, you yeah. know, yeah. held back by our jobs, by relationships we're in, you know, and so much more. And sometimes we allow our circumstances to control and define us instead of us redefining our circumstances. So, you know, we think we, (laughs) this is so common with cancer survivors, (laughs) but we think we have all the time in the world until we don't. Yeah. You know, and a cancer diagnosis is often the wake up call. We need to realize that the time, (laughs) the time between now and dead gets a little shorter all the time. And, you know, we start to realize that, you know, and if we allow it, our life will go on status quo until one day we make a change to get us going in a different direction. Amen. And sometimes those changes are really tiny. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't, it doesn't take much. Think about driving a car. You know, if you're going straight down the road and you want to turn off of an exit, 
you just turn it slightly and off your car goes that direction, right? So it's not big changes. It's just baby steps, basically. And, you know, something as simple as just saying no to somebody who really wants you to do something that you really don't want to do, say no, it's okay, you know? So... We just have situations like that. And my, Yvonne, obviously, um, as our co-host, she works with a lot of our cancer patients at Breast Friends. And we find that this is a real common thread between most of us, you know, that there are things that we want to do that are different sometimes. And Yvonne, do you mind just taking a couple minutes, quick ones, and just share maybe a story that you might have about a patient or thoughts on this? Yeah, you know, and I, and like Becky said, I spend a lot of my time talking with patients, and it ranges from just the newly diagnosed to women that are thriving beyond their diagnosis, and it seems to be there's a real common thread of change, mm-hmm. and change is an interesting thing. Change can be frightening and terrifying and scary, but it can also be very exhilarating and very... Mm-hmm. Um, freeing like mm-hmm. you say it almost like it opens a door to opportunity and I loved uh, uh, just the other day as a matter of fact when when I was talking to a woman who was newly diagnosed so she was really early on her journey which I thought was so profound that she was already starting to grasp this piece to the puzzle mm-hmm. that she was gaining from having a diagnosis and she told me that she said she felt like cancer was going to be her reset button and I just loved that I thought wow isn't that neat because it's like you get to push a button because of the circumstances that are not necessarily happy circumstances but you can kind of push that button really gently and say all right what do I want to do with this experience Mm -hmm. where do I want this experience to take me in her case she had led a somewhat isolated life for a while Mm -hmm. Mostly by choice, she said. She had kind of cut herself off. And she all of a sudden realized that because of her diagnosis, she really needed people in her world. Mm -hmm. And as she kind of was opening herself up to the idea of expanding her village, Mm -hmm. she realized that that piece to her puzzle was really something that was keeping her from being Mm -hmm. complete. So I just thought it was so beautiful. And it really spoke to kind of what you were talking about, that Cancer is, you know, it's a scary thing. It's not mm-hmm. something we want to go through. We certainly don't want to go back and do a do-over. Correct. <laughs> but we wouldn't yeah. trade some of the mm-hmm. things that we learn, including the opportunity to kind of relook at what's important. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I, that's a, I, I think this is a great kickoff to this show because our guest that we have with us today, I can't wait to hear her story because I believe in my heart that this woman fits right in with what we're talking about. Absolutely. Our guest today is Denise Cunningham, and Denise is an inspirational speaker, a best-selling author, a registered professional counselor, group facilitator, and an integrative energy healer. And I can't wait to hear more about that. I know. I need my energy worked up a little bit this morning. I didn't have coffee. <laughs> so welcome, Denise, to our show. Can we Can we all hear you? Yeah, thank you very oh, much. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Well, we're we're excited to have you on our show today. So, with all of that introduction, we're going to switch gears and talk about you now. Um, so, we'd love to have you first off. Just maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, your hobbies. Just kind of the we'll go into the light stuff right now, and then we'll get into the good stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. So, well, so if you don't I'm, mind. Uh, yeah. No, absolutely. I'm. Um, uh, divorced mom of two kids who are now 28 and 25, so I guess they're not really kids anymore, but they'll always be kids to they'll me. They'll always be <laughs> your babies. <laughs> yeah. 
and uh, I'm very fortunate to be grandmother to four. I have a 10-year-old grandson and then a a five-year-old and a three-year-old granddaughter and then a brand-new baby grandson who's, well, he's four months old. So they are... They are my greatest teachers and uh, really the light of my life. They help me stay in the present moment, for oh, sure. That's great. Now, do they all live close to you? Yes, we uh, we actually share a house. So wow. They, oh, they my gosh. That's so awesome and blessing. That's <laughs> such yeah. a blessing. Yeah, wow. they have the upstairs, yep. and I have the granny suite downstairs, and it's it's perfect. Oh, that's great. I have five kids and four grandkids, and my closest one lives two hours from me. The rest are scattered all over the country, and oh. it's just heartbreaking not getting to see them very often. But um, You so. just walk up the stairs yeah, I do. <laughs> or down the stairs yeah. if it's time to get away. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Well, good. So um, you're also a counselor and a facilitator, but I'm not sure what that means. So why don't you explain that real quick? Sure. And I did also want to mention my hobbies because, or my hobby, my main thing is um, I do intuitive fabric art. Like I started out as quilting years ago and it's now kind of morphed and that's when I want to get away and and really focus, that's what I do. And uh, as a counselor, I started out being a counselor, uh, working with individual people and then I found that it really felt like I wasn't able to reach enough people that way. And uh, so I started facilitating groups and workshops. So I do, that's what the facilitator part is. Mm-hmm. And uh, energy healer, I'm a, a Reiki master, quantum oh. touch. Um, I'm trying to think, there's several different things, theta healing. So all different, in, in my cancer journey, I did both uh, traditional medical stuff and then lots of alternative stuff and through that I, I was really drawn to learn how to practice some of the things that really helped me. That's great. Well, for those of you who are listening to Denise right now and picking up on that accent that she has, that I'm sure she doesn't think she has. Um, <laughs> no, she's I from Vancouver, Canada. <laughs> yeah, we have the accents as far as we, she's concerned. <laughs> so, but anyway, Denise is from Vancouver. Um, I said Washington. I did. Mean, yeah, Canada. I didn't, I didn't mean that. They don't have an accent in Vancouver, <laughs> yeah. Canada or Washington. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So Vancouver, Canada, and that is really close to where my husband and I met on a boat we met in Victoria a whole bunch of years ago. So he used to tell people he'd go up to Vancouver, I mean, to Victoria every year looking for a wife. And, and then he found me, but I wasn't from there. So <laughs> um, anyway, so that's where you're from. And that's pretty awesome. So let's switch gears for just a moment. And why don't we kind of start down your journey of breast cancer? Because I know that was a big turning point in your life. So why don't you take a, a bit of time and tell us about that? Yeah, I'd love to. I was diagnosed at 35 and my my yeah my daughters were five and two at the time and my mom had actually been diagnosed five years before me and so she was yeah she was pre-menopausal and uh she was 49 so she was younger than 50 and so all of those things the doctors consider uh, increased my risk factors. Mm-hmm. Sure. So they asked, yeah, they asked me to start going for They said, you know, with the history of cancer in your family, we normally would say start going for mammograms at 40 instead of 50, but because of your mom's 
risk factors, we think you should go for a baseline mammogram at 35. Mm. And I thought, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. And I kind of put the recognition <laughs> on the counter and thought, you know, she said, it's up to you. You don't have to go, but I'd recommend it. And so finally, I think that was like November or something in January, I thought, you know what, it's a new year. Let's, you know, let's get this out of the way. And I went and they found something in the mammogram. So I, yeah, I was, I was very, very lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Because the tumor was, was quite large. And, you know, by the time they did everything that needed to be done, um, the cancer had spread to one of my lymph nodes. So it had already started to travel. So I did the Mm -hmm. whole, you know, the um, lumpectomy and then chemotherapy, nine months of chemotherapy, and then five weeks of radiation therapy after that. Wow, you know what? You and I have so much lined up together because my first diagnosis, I was stage three. It was in one lymph node, and I had nine months of chemotherapy with five weeks of radiation. It's like, wow, I'm hearing my story right here. (laughs) Maybe it was the time frame. I don't know. Mine was 21 years ago. I don't know how old you are now, but... um, Yeah, mine was 22 years ago. Okay. Wow. So, yeah, maybe that was the protocol at the time. I don't know, but, but, you know, that's interesting to me, though. Did you you ever do the, the... BRCA testing to find out if you've got the genetic mutation? Uh, Do you no, mind I, I was offered that because um, my mom died of breast cancer and mm. uh, so, so did her four sisters. So I'm pretty oh. sure that I, I do carry it and mm-hmm. I chose not to have that testing done because it, it can impact your all sorts of things, you know, like jobs and uh, health insurance and, and that sort of thing if mm-hmm. I thought you know like I, I don't need to know because what would I do differently if I did know yeah you know well you know that's that's an interesting point because my doctor asked me the same question you know I have it my mom had breast cancer too but it wasn't considered genetic from her side because mm. she was um, in her 70s and she got it after me and my mom's so cute she goes I didn't know I could get it from you <laughs> <laughs> but but on my dad's side my dad's mom my dad's sister my dad's niece who's my first cousin they all had breast cancer and so we thought you know it was just seemed make sense to to test but that was my question what would I do different and she said my 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 geneticist said to me, well, it depends if you had BRCA, and I can never remember which one mm-hmm. leads to risk of ovarian cancer, but you you might want to have your ovaries removed if that were the sure. case. The other thing was telling my daughters, because if that increases my daughter's risk, but that also held me back because I didn't want to get tested until I knew that they'd want to know the answer. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, That's because true. not everyone wants to know if they're at risk, you know, and and I didn't want to force that information on them. Sure. So I waited and I said, you know, I've got this chance to do a test. Would you guys want to know? And they both said, yeah, absolutely. So so I did get tested. It turns out I don't have the BRCA1 or 2 mutation. But but since then, and for our listeners, they kind of need to know this, they've discovered many more gene mutations. Yeah. And even if you've been tested for one of those two and came out negative, there could still be a you know a risk of a different one. So so there's a lot of factors. And Denise, I don't know if you experience this, but you know, with counseling kind of brings all those questions up and then making decisions based on that. Um, but yeah, it's a tough one. It's it's not a simple, well, yeah, of course I'd want to know. Right, right. You know, so yeah, um, so yeah I, I respect that, you know, whichever way you go on that, I respect it. So, so, um, so you didn't get tested, but you know, you've gone through this, you went through all that treatment, you're doing good now? 
Yes, I am. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So what was your life like before cancer? You know, before you had that baseline mammogram at age 35, which was really great that you did that. What was life before? Yeah, it's interesting because I'll just tell a little bit about my history because I don't want to go into the details of that. But my my childhood, I came from a a very dysfunctional family that included abuse and alcoholism mm. and depression and that sort of thing. And so, mm. I you know I spent most of my life up to the point where I had the cancer diagnosis, kind of stuffing all of that stuff down and saying I'm okay, I'm okay, I can handle this, I'm 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 good. And actually, what I was doing was sleepwalking through life you know I was Mm. living my life in the shoulds and uh, to the outside world it appeared that I had everything I mean I had a lovely home I had a husband I had two beautiful children but inside I I was not happy yeah yeah so so breast cancer really was a uh, a wake-up call for me yeah, I bet it was. And, you know, we hear that often. I know, Yvonne, you've had experience with that, just talking to our patients that, you know, it is a wake-up call. And you mentioned something earlier to to me when you came in before the show started about silver linings. Yeah, you know, it's amazing that um, when we go through this process, we are enveloped with so many opportunities to experience things on a different level. You know, everything from um, just going for a walk. I had one of my patients and she was telling me that, you know, she was very stressed and having a terrible time dealing with all of this. And she was going to, she takes her dog for a walk. I said, well, what do you do when you go for a walk? She says, well, I walk the dog and I think about what's wrong in my life oh dear and I said you know what here's here's my homework for you I said now what I want you to do is I want you to walk and I want you to look around and I Mm -hmm. want you to stop Mm -hmm. and I want you to take a breath and Mm -hmm. I want you to walk and Mm -hmm. I want you to pick something up that catches your eye Mm -hmm. and I said I want you to start training yourself to see the moments in between as we're walking through life we tend to miss these little tiny silver Mm -hmm. linings and cancer opportunities such as just the little things in life or the little random acts of kindness. I had another woman the other day tell me about a a gal who she didn't know who offered her some incredibly sage advice and gave her some wonderful, wonderful encouragement. And she didn't know this woman from Mm -hmm. Adam. Mm -hmm. And she said, that woman with her act of kindness changed my life and my Mm -hmm. outlook on what was happening to me at that Mm -hmm. moment. And I said, you know what? 20 years from now, you're not going to remember as much about the horrors of your diagnosis Mm -hmm. as you are the silver lining. Yeah, yeah. So it is amazing. And it sounds like Denise has kind of done that. And so we actually have to take a break. But when we come back, Denise, we'd like to talk to you about your speaking and your book and kind of how you got into all of that. And I think that that's going to be a wonderful conversation. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. 
Visit BreastFriends.org and contribute today. When a woman is diagnosed with cancer, she faces unique challenges. No one understands this better than the experts at Compass Oncology. Our women's cancer program includes a team of specialists in breast and gynecologic cancers, genetic testing, and the ongoing care of women with high risk factors. From targeted therapies and clinical trials to needed emotional support, Compass is a leader in treating women's cancer. Find out more at compassoncology.com. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about coming back to life with our guest, Denise Cunningham. And right before we went to break, we kind of touched on the fact, Denise, that you are an author. And I'm going to try to say the wonderful title of your book and not make a, make a mess out of it because it's beautiful. It's called Whispers of Hope, Transcending Abuse, Cancer, and Divorce to Embrace Peace. Wow, that just encompasses an amazing journey. I'm, I'm anxious for you to tell us a little more about that well thank you yeah it was uh writing the book was a labor of love for sure and it it's actually my life story and it it takes you through from my childhood right through to post quite a bit past post breast cancer and at the end of each chapter i have something called tools for transformation and they are questions that are designed to help people shift their perception or reframe the things that have happened in their life so that they can find the gifts, find the positive in them. Wow, that's a great concept. I really like that. I think, you know, making something interactive like that um, for the reader is really important. And and could you share a couple of the tools for transformation that you you focused on in your book? Yeah, I'd love to. The first one, um, I was kind of laughing to myself because I think Becky shared it at the beginning, is about learning how to say no. And <laughs> it's so Why so do we important. struggle with that so much? We just yeah, struggle with that, work- don't we? I've been working on it for, how old am I now? 57? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 57 years. But um, it's, when I was doing, you know, going through the journey post-cancer and healing not only physically but emotionally and mentally and spiritually. One of the books that I came across was a brilliant piece of work by Dr. Gabor Maté, and he works in Vancouver. It's called When the Body Says No. And in here he talks about 
that, you know, there's a type A personality, which is the go, 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 and the type B personality. He said there's also a type C personality, which is what most people who have cancer have, and that's we don't know how to say no. You know, we're, we're living our life in the shoulds and doing everything for everybody else, but we don't even put ourselves on the list. And so this is, mm-hmm. a, a, you know, a really big one, like a, and a stepping stone kind of thing too, right? Like it's not a one day I say yes to everything and tomorrow <laughs> I say no to everything. It's, right, uh, right. And that's kind of what I did. Like I, as soon as I started to say no, I was like a two-year-old having a tantrum, mm-hmm. right? It was like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> And then I thought, well, that's not really effective. So yeah. I'm kind of, you know how the pendulum kind of swings back sure. and forth? Yeah. Yes. And so I think it's so important to mean no when you say no, to mean yes when you say yes, mm-hmm. and to mean maybe when you say maybe. Yeah. And, you know, part of that for me was, you know, when I couldn't say no right away, then I would say, I need some time to think about that. Mm-hmm. So that I could, you know, really tune in and say, is this something that I really want to do from my heart or is this a should? Am I doing this yeah. for other people? That's a really good point. And, you know, I think as women, we do tend to do a lot of things that that we should, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. do. So I, I really appreciate you making that comment. Um, can we, oh, is there another tool for transformation that you'd like to share? Yeah, I was going to jump in and ask you about speaking, but I'm going to wait on that and come back to the tools first. Yeah, absolutely. I I picked out one that's really quite simple, and it is about whenever you're feeling overwhelmed. And I I don't know about you, ladies, but I certainly had many many moments of that through the breast cancer journey. Is to actually stop and connect with your breath, like to take mm-hmm. a really deep breath in. Mm-hmm. and then let it out and do that five times. And it's incredible, the power of that, because it brings you fully back to the present moment so that you're not you know, worried about something that may or may not happen five years from now or, or <laughs> two minutes from now. I'm like, laughing because that's kind of the story of my life. I'm yeah, a warrior. Exactly, right? <laughs> well, and, you know, it's interesting you should bring that up because um, I have gotten into the habit with my, my ladies that I talk to, the patients that we, we help at Breast Friends. At the end of our conversations, and even if it's a text message that I'm sending them, I always tell them, all right, now we're going to breathe. And yeah. it's surprising how many times I'll hear in their voice even over the phone, mm-hmm. I'll hear in their breath that sense of centering, that mm-hmm. they're just stopping the conversation and just breathing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's really awesome. an incredible tool. I think it's wonderful that you're encouraging that. And I've seen it in my own world and how much difference it can make. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a wonderful, simple tool. Hello, yeah. we, we carry it around with us, for gosh <laughs> exactly, sakes. Exactly, exactly. We do. <laughs> and then Becky, I know you wanted to talk to her a little bit more about her speaking yeah, because, of like, course, Becky is a speaker as well. So this is, she's comparing notes, I think. Well, yeah, we can share, we're sharing notes. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about that. How did you get into speaking and what's your topic? And although I can guess on the topic, but why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, that's, um, that's an interesting thing because I, I actually am very introverted. I call myself an introverted introvert. And so for me to be doing speaking, um, if you had asked me 10 years ago if this is something I'd be doing, I would have been rolling on the floor laughing, saying, uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and yet, again and again, I keep 
being called to do this. Like, it, um, for, for me, it's a, a bigger platform to spread the message of hope. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like doing my, my counseling, I can reach one person at a time. But there are so, so many people out there who are looking for answers, who are, you know, looking for a better way to live their life. And so that's probably, I would say, my main message is hope. Like there is mm-hmm. hope in every situation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm really, really um, so passionate about having people understand that they matter and that their lives have purpose and meaning. Everything in their life has purpose and meaning. So pretty much all I speak about and, and do focuses on that. Yeah, that's really good. And, you know, hope is so powerful. You know, without hope, you really don't have much of anything left. So, yeah, that's kind of my message, too. It is. And, yeah. and it was interesting because Becky was doing the bobblehead here while you were talking because she, too, had that same type of experience. And mm-hmm. if you could see her on stage, it's and I'm sure it's the same with you when you are up on that stage, there's like a light that shines uh-huh. out of you. And I always equated um, our, our other co-founder, Sharon, um, who is really our uh, emotional cheerleader. She's an amazing <laughs> woman and she has this spirit as big as the great outdoors, but she has this wonderful thing that she tells her people through her life coaching. And that is to find <coughs> your twinkle. Mm-hmm. The mm. thing that makes you when you start to, whether it's your children or your job or, you know, something that you have a passion for, mm-hmm. when you start to talk about it or do it, mm-hmm. your face actually lights up yeah, and it, it twinkles, does. it radiates. And I think women like you who have a passion for what you're doing, when you get up on that stage, regardless of if you were shy before, that light kind of comes through and carries you. So it's it's a blessing to it watch does. you in action. Yeah. I'm sure it's the same <laughs> with, with both of you women. So, you know, and I, and I know that um, picking up the pieces after going through breast cancer is really difficult and to try to kind of move forward into your new world is is really a challenge you know how did you maneuver that slippery slope right after finishing treatment to kind of get yourself on the right path you know I think it was a number of things I know after finishing treatment it's interesting because as I was going through treatment I I had this false sense of security that Nothing can happen. It it can't come back while this is going on. And then once the treatment stopped, it was like huge inhale and it's, oh my goodness, now now what? (laughs) You know? And I I, I was paralyzed for quite a while. Like I I thought, well, I'm I'm not going to take that class because I don't even know if I'm going to be here to finish it. Because my prognosis was not good. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't know if I had six months or a year or... You know, so it was like mm-hmm. I kind of stalled myself in my life. And then I sought the help of a counselor, um, a brilliant woman in Vancouver who worked specifically with breast cancer patients. So I got help with that because I really did feel stuck. And then I started to, you know, really look at venturing into those scary places inside me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and it, it literally was one step at a time. It was like, okay, I, I can what step can I take today that will lead me in the direction of where I want to be in life? You know, yeah. who I want to be in life. That kind of goes back to our opening dialogue, you know, as we first opened the show, is what do you want? 
between now yeah. and dead. Yeah. And, you know, and it starts with baby steps. You can, well, it actually doesn't start with baby steps. It starts with a vision of what you want that to be and then figuring out what are the baby steps you start taking to get there. So um, it sounds like, like that was part of your process as well. Yeah, and a real honoring of myself, you know, like, like maybe mm-hmm. that's the step for that day is to have a three-hour nap in the afternoon because I'm exhausted from the treatment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and instead of running around trying to do three different things, like if I could accomplish one thing in a day, then I celebrated mm-hmm. that. And maybe that was yeah. having a nap that day. Yeah. No, that's that's true. And, you know, those those ways to look at that are different for everybody. I loved those naps, too. But I have to admit, after a while, um, the naps kind of started to scare me a little bit because taking that long nap for me meant that I wasn't motivated to do anything yeah, else. It was time to get up. It was time to get up. <laughs> yeah. And get out of my pajamas. Life isn't a about shower. a nap. <laughs> <laughs> but really? for, me, for, for me, one of the things that I was kind of in the midst of is because I, I also had a very rough diagnosis. They didn't give me six months to a year, They gave, but they did give me a basically 60% chance to survive past five years. And so I sat down and made a list of, of things I could do in the next five years if that's all the time I had. And one of them was to get my college degree and I was a long way away from getting that. <laughs> so I, uh, but that was the one thing I focused on while I was you know, off on disability from work as actually focused on school. And I remember people saying to me, you know, you really should drop out of school too you should just stay home and take care of yourself well I know that means I would lay on the couch in Mm -hmm. my pajamas and I would just dwell on my circumstances and that that was not for me that was not helpful I needed to have something in my life that was bigger than me that I could think outside that and so I thought well if I can make this in five years you know I could graduate in five years and I'm really glad my doctors were wrong though because it took me seven (laughs) (laughs) kind of a slow learner but you know I did pick up a whole year's worth of college credit though in four months so that was that was pretty cool and then then I went back to work and I had to go part-time to school but you know it's it gave me a new purpose it's a goal yeah and I don't even know why it was all that important but it was so well and and Denise I'm curious you know it sounds like you you really went through a a, obviously like so many of us that time period after you finished treatment which I always equate to I love there's a quote in a book that says it's like being on a barge and suddenly the barge comes out into the open sea and you're like holy crap you have no idea what the water's (laughs) going to be like yeah you know you've been in this calm water with everything around you being very secure and all of a sudden it's like that Mm -hmm. and I wondered you know how where were you in terms of how far out were you when you finally determined that your life calling it sounds like was going to be helping other women going through cancer I mean what what was the the time frame for you hmm that's a good question surprise surprise question (laughs) (laughs) I would say probably about seven years like I, really? I, knew, really? I knew what I wanted to do, but physically, like, the, the chemo that yeah. they gave me was the strongest they could give without killing me. So it, it really took me quite a while to energetically and physically get back in my, on my feet and get my energy back. But I never, yeah. like, like you were saying, like, I, I kept that dream. Like, I eventually went back to school and, and became a registered counselor. And, I, like, I did that in my 40s. I was 42 when I did that, and I'd been diagnosed at 35. So it's... Well, 
Yeah. And that's why I really wanted to ask that question, because I think a lot of our listeners, you know, they may think that, you know, depending on where they are in their in their own personal lives, they may think, you know, oh, my gosh, you know, wow, isn't it amazing? She did this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And how quickly, you know, both you and Becky, your dreams and your goals and your thought processes post treatment weren't something that happened overnight. It was something you built on. It was something you reached towards. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that goes back to hope. You know, that goes back to giving women who have come through treatment the hope they need to say, all right, what do I want to do with my life? And I don't have to worry about a time schedule. I can do what I want to do now because what's important to me is what's going to make me happy. So, you know, I think it's amazing. And and I certainly think, you know, what do you feel, you know, yourself, what do you think are some of the greatest blessings in during the work that you do? Hmm. The greatest blessings, I think, are really watching women come into their own. Like really watching yes. them do that journey inside and say, wow, like I, you know, even if they don't say it out loud, you can see it in their eyes. Like I am an incredible human being. I have value and I have a, a contribution to the world. Isn't that amazing that you can see that in someone as it happens? <laughs> yeah, just got goosebumps just talking about it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Incredible process. Yeah. And obviously that comes hand in hand with just making the world a better place, you know, making making your your community a better place. And it sounds like you've really made some, some effort with your facilitating to do that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, um, I think everything that I do in life and, and work centers around helping people remember that they matter. And, and very specifically that they're not broken or that they're not alone. You know, it's like, okay, this, this happened, and now what? You know, where, where do you want to go from here? Yeah, there's there's a sense of finding your center mm-hmm. when you go through cancer. And, you know, you mentioned Reiki and some of your other mm-hmm. tools. And it seems like, you know, you talk about the tools that you use. And I always refer to the tools in the toolbox that we give these women mm-hmm. as we work with them. Yeah. And it really sounds like you've created a, a wonderful, um, just a, a multi-layered toolbox for women to use, whether it's through your book or through your speaking or your personal contact, especially that physical contact of the Reiki, that has to be a rewarding dimension to your work. So I I have one quick question for you before we go out to break, and that is the intuitive fabric art that you do. Is that something you developed after your diagnosis? Or have you always been interested in art? always been interested in art and fabric, but it didn't morph, like it started as quilting, and uh, like probably about 23 years ago, and then through the cancer process, it morphed into something else. It became, instead of me following other patterns, I was creating my own and embellishing things with, um, like really taking it to a different level and making it a reflection of me. That's awesome. Well, listen, kiddo, we got to go out to break, so we'll be back in a couple minutes. Stay tuned. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When a woman is diagnosed with cancer, she faces unique challenges. No one understands this better than the experts at Compass Oncology. Our women's cancer program includes a team of specialists in breast and gynecologic cancers, genetic testing, and the ongoing care of women with high risk factors. From targeted therapies and clinical trials to needed emotional support, Compass is a leader in treating women's cancer. Find out more at compassoncology.com. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Hi, and welcome back. We've been talking about coming back to life with our guest, Denise Cunningham. And Denise, I, I, I kind of wanted to go back up to our previous conversation about your quilting and your art therapy, as, as I'm going to generalize it as being, and, and ask how that's kind of worked itself into your, your program of speaking and other things that you do. Maybe there's some pearls of wisdom from your art therapy that you can share with our patients. Yeah, I would love to. I, you know, when it comes to art or being a so-called artist, I think we are all artists of the everyday. Like we all have something that we are that that makes our heart beat faster. That that makes us come alive. And for me, that's partially like one of the things is fabric art. In that, I get to. I am so in the moment when I'm doing that. I don't even know, I don't know what time it is. I don't know what day it is. The only time, you know, the only way I know that it's time to eat is that my stomach starts to grumble. So it's, when I'm doing something like that, whatever that is for people, maybe it's singing, maybe it's um, doing collages, maybe your art is hospitality and it's hosting people or like there are as many arts as there are people and so finding that like what is so important to you that you light up 
when you're doing yeah, it. Yeah, the twinkle, as I mentioned earlier, yeah. it's that twinkle. You're going to use that now, aren't you? You're going to say, that makes <laughs> yes. you twinkle, and you're going to think of us. It's amazing. I when do need you... to give credit where credit is due, yes, though. It was Kristen Jane. Kristen Janes was our was one of our board, our board presidents one really? year. And she came up with that because that was the question she asked Sharon and me to be thinking about <sighs> what... Because we were, Sharon and I, we started Breast Friends 17 years ago, and there was a while that we were everything. I mean, we were every aspect, every minute of Breast Friends kind of fell on us. And then we began to bring people in and volunteers, and now we have a wonderful staff. And her question to us is, if you could set aside things that you don't want to do and focus on your twinkle, what makes you twinkle? That's where that started I from. didn't. So, well, see, so I, I didn't have to give Kristen that. James credit for that initially. <laughs> but um, but that is something that, that Sharon does ask all the patients that she works with and, yeah. and in, in the Thriving Beyond Cancer retreats that she does. That's a big part of it is helping women to identify and find that twinkle. So, yeah. so anyway, I just wanted to give credit. Uh, well, I'm glad. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think it's, it's like so many things. It's like the written word, which we'll talk about a little bit more about your, your book as well. Uh, I think we pass on pearls of wisdom generationally. We pass them on to the people who need them at that exact moment, but then it also is for people to come. And, you know, the, the whole, your, the, the idea of what is coming back to life and how it, me, it, it came about and just how that benefits the cancer community. I'm just curious a little bit more about your book itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Coming Back to Life is the name of of one of the talks that I give, and Mm -hmm. it's also the name of a a workshop that I give. And really what that is about is, I, I would say probably my greatest learning from breast cancer was that I might not have any control over the quantity of days that I had left on the planet, but I absolutely had control of the quality that I brought mm, to each day. Nice. Beautiful. Right? Beautiful. And so, yeah, thank you. And so coming back to life is about finding, finding that within. Like, what can you do every day to, to make that day, you know, like if this was the last day that you had, and, and cancer, you know, just because we've had cancer, I think that's a gift because it's given us the, the realization that life is mm-hmm. a gift. But, you know, you could step off a curb tomorrow and get run over by a bus. Like, <laughs> sure. you know, like if, if, if what you're doing today is not something that lights you up and isn't bringing quality to your day, mm-hmm. then, you know, we need to look at that and, and start to shift bit by bit. You know, come back to what brings you to life. What, what gives your life life? Yeah, that's true. My husband and I just got back from a, a month in Rome. We rented an Airbnb in Rome, Italy, and oh. stayed there for four weeks, and we used it as our home base and did some day trips, and it was such a romantic, wonderful time. I mean, after 37 years of marriage, and this is something I, I mean, I've been to Italy a couple times before, but it was not the same as going this time, because this time we really settled in and got to know some people, some of the locals, and found our favorite, you know, coffee shops and <laughs> bars, quite frankly, we did find our favorite bars too. <laughs> but we had a wonderful time. And how many people in life dream about doing something like that and then don't 
actually do it. And yes, it's, there's a financial commitment to something like that. But if you start to save and, you know, I want to thank my mama for that because she passed away a, a year ago in March and got a little bit of a check from, yeah. from her insurance fund. And that's what helped pay for this trip. But um, my husband and I had a wonderful time. And now we're thinking about moving back. And, and we're quite serious about it. Yeah. Moving to Italy to, for retirement, which isn't, isn't too far from now. <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. But, you know, we, we all have things that we dream about doing, and then we just don't get around to doing them. So, you know, find that thing that, that makes you twinkle and find a way to incorporate it. So, Well, and so many of our women, um, you know, unfortunately, there are a lot of women that hear the term metastatic and they hear, you know, there are things that, that make them feel like there is a, a, a timeline or an expiration date, so to speak, on, on how long they're going to be on this earth. And as you say, you know, it's how you look at that time. It's how you make that time count. And whether it's um, two years or 20 years, um, the quality of the time of life we have, it's so much more important. And especially Mm -hmm. as a cancer patient, we, like you say, we had the opportunity to really make that time count. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's an amazing concept that you're sharing. and. Thank you. Yeah, it it really came home to me when I don't know in in the states if you do things differently, but here you're consi- in Canada, and maybe it's changed now too because I'm 20 years past it. But you're considered a survivor if you've lived for five years past the mm-hmm. disease and you you know you don't have any metastases. And to me, I think you're a survivor every day that you're alive on the planet and you're you're living your life true to you whether that's yeah, a that's date true. or, you know. Yeah, it's true. And Sh- Sharon and I, you know, as we kind of started Breast Friends a long time ago, people always ask that question, well, I don't really feel like I'm a survivor yet because I'm still in treatment. But the way we feel about it is if you got through that day of your diagnosis and you survived that day, mm-hmm. you're a survivor yeah. from that day forward. And, Absolutely. you know, it's so there's, again, different ways to look at it. But, you know, surviving is, is pretty much... What's going on in, in that space between your ears, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And uh, Sharon is actually in the process of writing a book right mm-hmm. now called Thriving Beyond Cancer. And one of the, the terms that she's kind of coining and, and we're sort of adopting as our, our pet term is a thrivership. Mm-hmm. Instead of survivorship, mm-hmm. it's thrivership. And I love that. Isn't it wonderful? And doesn't that, you know, as a as a woman who came through cancer, to me surviving cancer almost seems like I, you know, I I struggled my way through and I did all of that, you know, it was like, oh my God, I survived the Titanic, (laughs) which of course, you know, there is a grain of salt with that. But I like to think that as I moved through it, I was thriving beyond the experience in so many ways Mm -hmm. that I think of it. And as Sharon has coined, it's more of a thrivership path Mm -hmm. path than a survivorship path. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, that, that's a, that's an interesting transition I think people more and more in the cancer community are making. We are making this experience because of people like you and what you do in the speaking community, both you and Becky, we're educating the public. I would imagine you have people come up to you and just say thank you for sharing for their lives, even if they're not a cancer survivor. Yeah, absolutely, because it's, 
I think cancer for me just really heightened my appreciation for life, and so that mm-hmm. that applies to everybody. Whether mm-hmm. you know, like I, I'm not, I'm sure I'm not the only one who was sleepwalking through life. You know, I, I, a lot of my people that I know are still doing that, and you know, there's there's nothing wrong with that if you're happy with that. But if you're not, then you know, there's there's so many things that you can do, and so many things. So many ways that you can shift your perception about things and shift your actions and shift your thoughts to really make your life one that that you love living. That's that's true. You know what? We're going to run out of time here if we don't get on with your speaking. So I want to know more about your speaking. What kinds of events do you speak at? Um, how long have you been doing it? Just kind of, let's just talk about that a little bit, because you know, speaking. I, I I think it was Jerry Seinfeld. I'm pretty sure, because you know they, they say that the fear of speaking and the is the greatest fear of all. And so Jerry Seinfeld said to the guy, "So you'd rather be the guy in the box at the funeral." Instead of the guy talking about the guy in the box at the funeral. And so it's not for everyone, that's for sure. So and if I gave credit to the wrong person, I do apologize. But anyway, so tell us about that and how you went from this introverted personality to being able to get up on a stage and do that. Well, yeah, it's interesting because in speaking, even now, as I'm walking to the stage, I feel like I'm going to throw up, and the minute I get on the stage and in front of the microphone, I know that I'm there, that I'm supposed to be there, and that I'm supposed to be delivering the message to the people who need to hear it. And it started really for me, oh, I belonged to an organization shortly after I was diagnosed called the Life Quilt for Breast Cancer, which was a a nonprofit organization. And so I started to speak for them promoting that project because they raised funds for the practical needs of women who've been diagnosed. You know, like how how do you go shopping when you have your head in a toilet bowl throwing up and and that kind of thing. So I really started there because it was something that I was so passionate about and then I had an opportunity through this uh, my daughter's school um, they have in grade 10 something called uh, oh, I can't even remember what it's called now but helping them make a plan and prepare for what they're going to do when they leave school and so I went in and said you know can I start talking to students about self-esteem and how important they are and did that like with with teenagers like talk about an audience where mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, yeah. happen right and so it's just continued from there like the message probably the bottom line message in everything i speak about is helping people remember that they matter you know yeah, that their lives have true. meaning and purpose and mm-hmm. uh, yeah i i speak to churches i speak to symposiums i speak mm-hmm. to um Oh, I'm, try- I'm trying to think. You've kind of caught me a little bit <laughs> off guard. Well, you know uh, what? We're, we're actually almost out of time here, oh, so why don't we do this? Let's kind of wrap this up by sure. um, having you share a web address, a way for people to contact you if they want to talk to you about speaking or how to get your book or any other services that you offer. Why don't you give us some way to, for people to reach you? Absolutely, I will do that. I am so thrilled because I'm in the process of... Uh, rebranding my business and it's my web page is just up it's called the shift factor.com so s-h-i-f as in father t factor.com the shift factor.com and it's 
under construction, but we've got enough up there that there is a link to the book where you can buy it on Amazon. Okay. There's a link to my TEDx talk. I did a TEDx talk about a year ago. Okay. And there's Great. also a link to contact me or to sign up for my mailing list. And okay. uh, there's nothing well, in the workshop part yet, but if okay, you know, well you'll get there. It's all yep. it's all a labor of love, as you said earlier. So, yeah. So that's really good. Well, listen, kiddo, we got to go. We're down to the last few seconds, so I want to thank you for being a guest with us today. Um, we will be back next week, and until then, remember there is always hope, and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.